Welcome to the Victory of the Lamb podcast. We are a simple, straightforward Bible teaching church in Katy, Texas. If you are in the area, we'd love for you to stop by anytime. Otherwise, we hope you use this podcast to grow in your faith and be confident in sharing it with many. You can find us online at VOTL.org. We hope you enjoy this message, and God bless your week. It must have been extremely frustrating at times. Two years previous, the Apostle Paul had experienced a very bad day. Now, Paul had numerous bad days in his life and ministry, but this one definitely stands out as one of those very bad days. The Bible tells us that Paul was in Jerusalem, minding his own business. He was visiting the temple. He was worshiping God. And then here, listen to a few highlights in the Bible of what happens next. It says that uh, enemies of Paul stirred up the crowd and seized him. A little later, the whole city of Jerusalem was aroused and the people came running from all directions. Last highlight, while they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops. God used an unnamed military, Roman military commander to save Paul from that mob. And the night, the next night, the following night, Paul finds himself a prisoner in the Roman barracks. And, and the Bible tells us that the Lord God appeared to Paul to encourage him. And he encouraged him with these words. Listen. God, speaking directly to Paul, says, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. That was it. A few short words. That was God's promise to Paul. And now, two years later, Paul still finds himself over a thousand miles away on the other end of the empire, forgotten in a Roman prison. This promise to testify about God in Rome must have seemed very far away. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us straight up what emotions were going through Paul's mind at that particular time. But it's interesting that a, a few years later, Paul is still a prisoner, and while he is a prisoner, he is led by the Holy Spirit to pen a letter to a congregation he helped to start. And in that letter, he pens some very famous words. Paul writes to them and says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Do you notice carefully, did you notice what Paul said? I, contentment didn't come naturally to Paul. It was a learned skill. 
There's another interesting tidbit about this story. Dr. Luke was a good friend to Paul during this time. And the Bible tells us that Dr. Luke traveled with Paul to Jerusalem when he went there. And the Bible tells us that a little over two years later, Dr. Luke traveled again with Paul when he was taken as a prisoner away from the Bible lands to Rome. And, and the only time we know that Dr. Luke was in the Bible lands during his life, the only time we know that he was there was during those two years when Paul was a prisoner. And God led Paul's friend Dr. Luke to pen the Gospel of Luke. And consider the, some of the first words in the Gospel of Luke. Some of the first words Luke writes, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you. Now, we can't say for certain, but it sure seems that God used those two years of Paul's imprisonment to allow his friend to have time to carefully investigate everything from the beginning so that he could write the gospel. And a portion of that gospel is what we here today are considering. You see, thing is, when events don't go as planned, God doesn't promise us that he will always let you know the reasons why. And he also doesn't promise you that he will review, reveal to you all the other things that are going on in the background while he is carrying out his good plan. And so when we find ourselves experiencing one of life's unexpected twists, we can ask ourselves the question, what's the point? Why am I doing this? What should I be doing? What the, what's the point is one of life's big questions. And today, let's see how Jesus answers this question. It is only Dr. Luke who shares the famous story of the Good Samaritan. Let's listen to it now. We read it before. I'm going to share it with you again. Dr. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. He says, on one occasion, just so you know, one occasion here, Jesus is well into his ministry here. So this is getting to, uh, closer to the end of his public ministry. On one occasion, an expert in the law. This would be the law here is the Old Testament Bible. So this was an Old Testament Bible scholar. On one occasion, an expert in the law approached Jesus for the purpose of testing him. And so he asked Jesus, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus turns to him and says, Well, what is written in the law? The Old Testament Bible, what's there? How do you, the expert, read it? The expert answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, 
with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, well said, that's right. Go and do this and and you will live. Now the expert feels the need to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, well, just who is my neighbor? And so Jesus tells a story. And he says, there was a man who was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Now in order to give a little bit of context to this, the, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, you had to go up and over the Mount of Olives, down through the, one of the most desolate areas in the world, the Judean Desert. It's an 18-mile walk, and you're going to drop nearly 3,400 feet during this walk. It was a dangerous road. In fact, I think this is the only time in the Bible that there's any reference to someone traveling this road alone. Dr. Luke talks about another time people were traveling this road when when Jesus was 12 years old and his parents lost him because they're in such a large crowd of people they actually lost track of their kid. I mean, when you went down this road, you went with a caravan. You went with a group of people. But Jesus is sharing a story. And so in this story, there are four people and they're all traveling alone. And so the first guy is traveling alone and look what happens to him. He's attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Then then a priest happens. He's also traveling alone, sees the man, passes by on the other side. A little bit later, a, a Levite, this would be a temple worker, sees the man as he's traveling alone, goes by on the other side. The fourth man in the story is a Samaritan. Now, I was wondering, if Jesus were to tell this story today, who would he use as an example? I thought, well, maybe if he today in 2022 were telling this story in America, maybe he would say that there was a conservative Republican traveling down the road who got beaten and robbed. And then the last person you would ever expect would be a liberal progressive Democrat sees that, right? That's the last person you would expect to help this other person who was in need. Here you have the Samaritan. And he's traveling down the road and he sees the man and he has pity on him. He stops what he's doing. He takes out, he bandages his wounds. He uses wine and oil, the the, the medicine of the day to clean out his wounds. He takes the man, puts him up on his donkey and travels and goes, finds an inn and he gets him set up in the inn and takes care of him. And the next day, the next day, he goes and talks to the innkeeper and pulls out a wad of two denarii. That would be about $600 maybe today and says, here you go. This should cover it. And I'm going to be coming back here. And when I come back, just let me know what's left. Like today, maybe you'd swipe your credit card and leave the, leave the account open, right? So Jesus closes the story and asks, who of these was the neighbor? And the expert answers, well, the man who showed mercy on the other. And Jesus closes the story by saying, go and do likewise.
Did you catch Jesus' answer to life's big question about what's the point? The answer is to love. Love God, love your neighbor. Now, after God himself, love is perhaps the word and concept most talked about and considered by human beings. In in history of humanity, us humans have constantly been trying to wrap our minds around just exactly what love is and what it means. And here, Jesus actually defines love fairly simply. He says, love means that it will alter your, it impacts your priorities. Love impacts your priorities and it leads you to acts of service. Love impacts your priorities. Consider how the Samaritan's priorities were impacted when he saw that man. He, he stopped what he doing. He, he showed love to his neighbor to, and that led him to prioritize his time. He paused his planned trip and spent the day caring for a stranger, an enemy in need. Love for his neighbor impacted how he prioritized the use of his resources. He used his medicine, his bandages, his donkey, his money. The Good Samaritan His, just like when you show love, love impacts how you use your, prioritize your resources such as time and money. Love also led the Good Samaritan to acts of service. The Samaritan served his neighbor with his means and his ability. But seems fairly simple, right? I love your neighbor, love God. When you heard that bit at the end with Jesus, he said, yeah, you got it. Okay, now go and do likewise. How did that, how did those words of Jesus make you feel? When you heard that, did you feel, oh yeah, I got this, I'm doing pretty good with this whole love thing? Or were you a little more like me, And you can think of all the times you didn't show love for someone else. And we're not even talking about the people that you might not get along with, but even within your own family, those closest to you, how many times have you not shown that love? Like the expert, we also, when we read this and hear this, can feel the need to justify ourselves. But there is good news. Jesus did it. Jesus told another expert in the law, God so loved the world. And years later, one of Jesus' good friends, John, wrote these words about love. He said, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus loved us. 
And one way that He showed His love for us was paying the price for our sins. That's true, but that wasn't the only way. He did it through other acts of service each and every day. You see, Jesus didn't just suffer. He also lived a perfect life in our stead. I believe most everyone here today is aware that, that there was a wedding in the church this past week. And, and uh, you know, that's why I'm standing here this morning. It says, that out of love for my brother-in-law, an opportunity to do it at, in an act of service. When weddings are, are typical times to, to talk about and think about love. For those of us who are married, it's common to recall our own wedding and think of our own marriage. You know, this week, Rachel and my wedding text has been on my mind a lot. Um, they're special words to me. They come from a very, very old song inspired by God, written by the wisest men to ever live. It's called the Song of Songs. And the, this song is really a love song between a bride and a groom. And the bride symbolizes the church and the groom symbolizes God because God tells us men who are the grooms and husbands that he wants us to love, love our wives with that adoring servant love that God has for us. And God tells wives that he wants them to love their husbands with a trusting love, just like the church loves God. So, here's the line from Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 10. The bride, that's the church, is speaking, and she says, my beloved, that would be the groom, which is God, my beloved spoke and said to me, arise, my darling beautiful one, and come with me. The bridegroom, that's God, goes on to, to invite the bride to come with him because it's all good. Come with me, beautiful one. It's going to be great. Now, guys, isn't that kind of what we promise our wives when we get married? You know, come with me, babe. It's going to be great. Notice a little detail in God's words there. He, the, the groom calls his bride darling, beautiful one. If you get nothing else out of this and, and, and only get, come away with this one thing about God and love, understand this. When God looks at you, he looks at you with those same googly eyes that Ben had for Abby when she was walking down that aisle looking all beautiful. And husbands, you can remember that when you were, saw your bride walking down that aisle looking beautiful. God looks at you in that same way, each and every day. 
And it's not this love of God isn't a love that he loves all the bad things you do. You see, just like Abby was walking down in that beautiful gown with her head and hair all done up, so God has clothed you, his beautiful people, in the pure, white, perfect, righteous robes of Jesus. And that's why when God looks at you, he gets all googly-eyed and says, come with me, darling, beautiful one. It's going to be great. What was the point of Jesus' life? The point of his life was to love. His perfect love for you impacted his priorities and it led him to acts of service. So leave today in peace, knowing and being certain of this love that God has for you. And going and go out today knowing the point. The point of your life is to love. Amen. Time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. Could I ask you for one more favor? If you're enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to click subscribe and give us a rating. Just a few seconds of your time will help other people hear the simple, straightforward Bible message we offer. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.